Welcome back to another episode of Hammering Down. I am being joined by a super special guest for me. And I know the moment that I start this is going to turn into just like, oh, God, shut up, please shut up. Um, (laughs) I am being joined by one of the greatest influences I've had in the podcasting world. I've told him this several times. And if you're not watching the video, you you don't see him shaking his head violently. But that's it's true. Um, I'm being joined by Evan Villela also known as Speak Evan Speak. Um, that is it. Evan has been around the USL block a long, long time. And a couple, couple of years. Got, uh, got me into and really got me into doing the podcasting thing and uh, really got me into a different side of soccer. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear him talk. So. <laughs> what's up evan what does that even mean hello you can you you need to stop being so nice to me that's what that that's what that is i don't even know so so okay yep like like let's let's let's, let's let, this is this is all very very um uh, self-appreciating and i feel bad for doing this let's just run down the things that you said about me so um uh been around the usl block a couple times yes yeah for sure everyone knows for a long time i was apparently which i didn't know about until a certain somebody hi harry on the way out told me that i was everyone's least favorite co-host or host but oh he's my title harry's told me that several times too so we kept the the tradition going the heel of the usl show (laughs) which is great fine by me you know (laughs) whatever you're welcome um (laughs) Then what was it? Um, big influence on you for podcasting. And yeah. to the previous point about me being the worst host, I apologize. Because <laughs> it should have been anybody else, apparently. Well, that's the rumor. But the rumor, the rumor. And I mean, honestly, I think if we go down the list, now that Mike, uh, who used to be the Rowdies, uh, 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 media or, or communications guy is back with the front office for the league. He can probably vouch that I'm terrible. So welcome back to Mike. Um, I don't know who's in charge of comms at Birmingham, but whoever has to listen to this, I apologize. Um, Cause there is someone at the club who for better or worse has to <laughs> listen to these, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, and then what was the other thing? Oh, made you see soccer in a different uh, uh, in a, a different side of soccer, and I don't know what that even translates to. Um, I'm sure we can find out because <laughs> I'm here, uh, yeah, and we're gonna talk about soccer. So strap in, everybody, because I'm, I'm back, and you, <laughs> I don't know, blame blame Kaler for liking me enough to to keep putting me in front of a microphone to talk about the United Soccer League Championship. Look, I mean. Hey, if someone from the club is listening, hey, hi. Um, they are. Yeah, yeah, I'm technically independent, but hey, if you like it enough, I mean, hi. Um, <laughs> look, basically, and one of the things I was super excited about is mm. the joke that, you know, that you and uh, Ryan, uh, Mr. Ryan Allen, have yeah, yeah. is that Colorado switchbacks are yes. – 
Bethlehem West, and you are I, in the Philly. You are just deep in in just entrenched in the Philly world. I so, know a couple people on that team. Yeah, I mean, I it's very interesting to what I was really interested in hearing, and whenever I started listening to the USL show, and you know, you and I started conversations. The way that I started shaping my views was how can you watch a match and then convey what you saw to someone who's listening to you? And that was something that you like, just listened to you that it really influenced me, but you've seen, like you, like you said, you know, several of these guys, you've seen a lot of people grow up literally from Bethlehem steel to being like adults. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Or, or um, to take a, to take a stab at some of the people at Colorado Springs switchback, I've seen them go from being adults to being old men now. Um, <laughs> not that I, not that I think they'll be listening, but if, if, uh, if any of them are, there you go. But no, yeah, I, I, the, the joke, the partial joke obviously is that Colorado Springs switchbacks in bringing in Brendan Burke, Stephen Hogan, Adam McCann, James Chambers, uh, Michi Galena, uh, Jimmy Ockford, even um, Zach Zandi. Now, um, uh, who else is there? Um, Matt Mahoney, who I almost forgot about. Yeah. Um, there's so many guys that spent time with or under, um, not even like just Bethlehem Steel, but with uh, Reading United and 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 with Brendan Burke as their coach. Um, and obviously, that's a thing that happens where it's, you have a coach, they go somewhere new, they bring in guys that they want to bring in. Um, I don't think we've necessarily seen it to this level before. Um, I know, you know, with Mark Lowry moving over to Indy, he did the same thing, but this was a new stadium, a new team, basically a whole new brand. Uh, I mean, the name changed, but the logo got a little update and then, yeah. I mean, in the last two years, Brendan's brought in a whole coaching staff, which I guess is to be expected, but then like seven or eight guys where it's, they've been with him before. Um, and in year two, I, I think it's funny. There's a couple observations that I have when we get to talk about who and what Colorado Springs switchbacks are that I think kind of are very Brendan Burke centric, which will be interesting to see now that he is, two years away from having to play Philadelphia Union style soccer. And some of it's there. I think some of that is just the way he likes to play. And some of that's the way that he enjoys coaching and, and, and wants his teams to sort of play the kind of brand of soccer that they can play. Um, but at the same time, there's things that I think that the switchbacks do or will do that are um, unique to Brendan Burke on his own you know it's funny because whenever i would think about the bethlehem still um whenever i was you know they were still i mean they were still around kicking doing the dang thing it was always really interesting watching them versus union um philadelphia union by the way um i don't know if we actually said that but it it felt like they were connected. Sure, we do but, have to specify. Yeah, there there are many yeah. of unions. Um, 
<laughs> um, that's yeah. a different kind of pod. Um, mm-hmm. we um, it felt like Bethlehem Steel. They felt like a two team because of the talent, but they never felt as tied to the hip when it comes to tactics. I mean, whenever you watch Red Bulls too, they are just Red Bulls, everything they do, and they just kind of plug and place players. And whenever you would watch, you know, like Atlanta United too, for people who, uh, for Birmingham listeners, have seen a lot of, it's just you're watching Atlanta United, but they're, I mean, they're the player, the quality of players just not as good. Yeah, Bethlehem still, and now we're seeing this with Coach Brendan Burke, is that it felt like they allowed him to be his own coach, but said you have to work within these parameters. And I think that kind of fits with what you're saying with Colorado Springs, with that it's Union-esque, but it's still kind of Burke ball, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, so what's nice, and, and, and so kind of we're operating under the assumption that everyone listening knows that basically when you hire a coach, the second year is really the first year that that coach gets to kind of have, air quotes, their squad. Right. Um, so, you know, the first year you come in, you're still kind of handicapped by guys having a one-on-one extension and they got resigned or this, that, and the third. And, and maybe you can't bring in a couple guys that you want because they're locked up or, or what have you. So I I think really what we're looking at is maybe the first year of Brendan Burke being able to coach a, a, what is essentially a first team for an organization. Yep. And it's the first year where he has his own roster that he wants full of guys that he picked and there's no one above him or beside him or whatever that can tell him, hey, you need to put this, 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 and this guy into your squad because they need minutes because they're injury rehab or um, out of favor with the first team or a combination of, of whatever else. So it's it's obviously when anyone spends X amount of time in like, like, you know, five or six years in an organization, they're going to kind of have a bit of a style of the person that they learned from, especially if they're an assistant coach Um, top of my head in the union sphere, Pat Noonan with Cincinnati will play Jim Curtin esque soccer. Yes. Um, Brendan Burke at Colorado Springs will play that kind of, we'll talk about it. High ish press Philadelphia union flavor of, (laughs) the Red Bull style of American soccer, which is just a weird sentence. Um, But I think what (laughs) we're looking at is as far as the, the who he has and what he asks those people to do, this is no longer really Bethlehem steel West. This is Brendan Burke's Colorado Springs switchbacks 1.0. And I think what they're doing so far and I think you saw a jump from first game to second game and then, you know, momentum would dictate that'll keep happening is they're getting cohesion and they're playing real games and they're winning those games. And some of the things that they're doing now, they want to do more of, and they've started to do that. And there is one or two things that I think that doesn't look like it's necessarily sustainable Yeah. Um, and I don't think they're going to maybe from weird counters. Yeah, there's 
the first thing, like the first place in the squad that I really want to just go ahead, dive into. And to me, well, I, I kind of want to, everybody knows about this witchback offense. I mean, Audrey Berry uh-huh. speaks for himself. And, yep. but even, even though he hasn't scored yet this year, Nope. You know, he has still been the most influential player on that offense, but we could talk about the offense all day. I want to mm-hmm. I want to start in the back because, to me, I mean, that's where championships are made. We saw with Orange County, you win championships off your defense. I mean, there's a reason Tampa Bay was in the, was in the finals. And, yeah. you know, Jeff Caldwell, if you're not a follower of the USL and or, you know, for people who are listening to me who – we didn't watch Hartford last year because they weren't in our division. Mm-hmm. Jeff Caldwell looked a lot worse than he was. I would say very comparable or comparable, yeah. maybe not in style, but in <clears throat> being underrated like a CJ Cochran. Legion fans, we all know that CJ Cochran was a freak in the back, but yep. OK, or OKC Energy, may they rest in peace, were really not good at – stopping the ball before it got to him, meaning he just had to face a lot of shots. Same thing for Jeff Caldwell. I mean, there was a reason why he was getting, you know, goalie of the year votes, even though he was letting in almost like, what, two goals a match? It's because he's really freaking good. This, not just Jeff Caldwell, though, I want to talk about this entire back unit. This defense Mm -hmm. for the switchbacks, is so underrated because everybody's talking about this offense. But Jeff Caldwell, yeah. uh, Audge, uh, was it Erdman? Uh, Erdman, Alford, yep. Alford, Erdman. Yeah. They're so good. And yeah. they're not going to be talked about in the same way as their offense, even though I think that might actually be the true staple of this team. Mm. Yeah. Um <sighs> I am I'm, I'm in your boat where it's if you don't have a backline that can and I don't necessarily care if a defense keeps clean sheets um, but if you don't have a backline that's at least cohesive and can do what you ask them to do um, and at the very least can you know be competitive then it's it's not worth anything so what I what I really appreciate that Brendan Burke did. He had known quantities last year in Matt Mahoney, mm-hmm. um, who Temple Boy um, came up through Bethlehem Steel, phenomenal fullback, um, really good. Not um, <laughs> not the best offensive fullback I think that that Brendan's ever had at his disposal, but that's a weird list of really good players. Yeah. Um, but like a really, really, really solid defensive player, and he's got probably the most battery out of just about anybody in the league. Matt Mahoney, you'll just run until the game's over and that's it. Um, It's strange. It upsets me if someone doesn't have any cardio. (laughs) Um, Jimmy Oxford has been playing professional soccer since about 2012. Um, 29 now, another local to to Philly or thereabout guy. Um, He's been everywhere. Um, Seattle Sounders, he got an appearance for. He's been with the Cosmos twice. He's been with Reno twice, uh, Nashville, um, Louisville City, and then Colorado Springs um, in 2021. And and so Mahoney and Oxford on one side, and then what they did was they brought in Dennis Erdman, who's um, German, 
I guess the biggest team, 1860 Munich, I guess he made 59 appearances for. I mean, he's got decorated appearances, hundreds of appearances uh, in, in the German system. And he's just a, a big experienced body and that's what they need. And then they have Tristan Hodge on the other side, who's, you know, a Trinidad and Tobago national team defender. Um, uh, who was with Memphis uh, uh, up until the January of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so the back lines really sorted itself out. I mean, the team is putting up results uh, with their, with their back line. I don't think they've, they conceded a goal late to Orange County, but I mean, they pretty much kept Eric Torres in their back pocket. And, and then a uh, friend of Brendan Burke, uh, Seku Kone didn't really do anything for um monterey in their second match so it's definitely looked better because i i think you know if you look at colorado springs last year to this year if you were going to improve any area it's we need to concede less yeah and so far so good i mean when you have a record-breaking score and you have like they did with aji berry last year and let me we I feel like every year we always come across, not every year, but almost every year we get into the USL and it's like, oh, this is the golden boot winner. He's on the verge of breaking the record. He's on the verge. It always feels like every single year they're on the verge. Audrey Berry broke it with games to spare. Yes. He, it because he was in Colorado Springs and they weren't particularly great as a squad, even though people in the USL sphere were talking about Aji Berry, nobody was appreciating what he was doing. I even, in a way, I still feel like last year was an underrated season by him, which is ridiculous to say. But I mean, this back line last year, it, I get, I understand that Orange County, especially without Domus. You know, mm. they uh, they lost a lot on the offense and they've brought some pieces back. But, you know, it's hard to replace a guy like that. They're they're built off their defense and mm-hmm. Monterey Bay. I mean, um, in the wise words of my grandmother, bless their hearts. Um, it. I get that those are not the most stacked offensive teams, but if you mm. watch the film as a back line, they look good. I mean, there yep. were times last year against Colorado Springs where they would play some pretty rough teams with no offense, and they may not concede, but they mm-hmm. looked like they were in danger the entire time, except yep. for really a couple of balls. They never really felt like they were out of control of either one of those matches, and yeah, that's so impressive. So Well, and, and two, I think their bench got a lot better. Mm-hmm. like they brought in you know at least attacking because I, th- I think last year at some points for them it was very one-dimensional where it's okay you have haji berry you have michi there you have pace for days but now you bring in ben mines who i've always been a fan of uh for better or worse and then uh oh surprise carlton belmar appearance who um is you know maybe one of the best goal scorers in U.S. history, maybe. I mean, the guy, he's got a nose for goal. Um, yeah. I might have, that might have been too kind to him, but I mean, 
he's he's got experience. He's got goals. It's it's two guys that have proven USL experience. Um, and you can't. They didn't do that last year. I mean, yeah, he's got okay. He's got forty three goals in the championship. Carlton Belmar. So I, I feel safe now. Um, you know, but, but last year it was very, okay, if Haji's not on, then, then they're great. Now you, you open yourself up with a little more attacking options. And, and I think, yeah, you've, you've improved your back line and Zandi and, and, uh, Cam Lindley are going to be a, a nightmare in the midfield because the way that they like to try to gain the ball and attack from there is already causing problems for some of these teams. And I don't think we've seen them. Orange County is good, but they get a little bit shootouty. I don't think we've seen them play the best of, like I think Birmingham is probably the best team they're going to play so far this year. Yes. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, especially with guys like Enzo Martinez, who are very familiar with, you know, Burke ball as it were. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens kind of later into the season. Cause I think teams will just generally be kind of tighter in possession but so far, what they're doing is is really working and has really been a problem for for uh, Monterey and Orange County. So I know we're skipping over the midfield. We're going to come back to them because there's definitely interesting conversation to be had there. Um, I feel like this midfield is definitely where you see the most influence of Burke. Um, but I want yeah. to talk about the offense. Um this is going to be interesting for the three sparks as our starting center. One of our starting center backs is out with red card suspension yep. deserved. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about, about the amount of red cards um, deserved. Yeah. Um, the other one is um, we had Freddie Kleeman who went down with a leg injury. We haven't, heard an update about that but for the time being i'm going to assume that he's out um and if he's not then it's a happy surprise meaning in the back we're going to have um we're going to have fanwell kavita who i mean not a bad guy to have back there and thomas van kazil who is another all usl center back two great center backs yep. But the issue is, is that we've been running three center back stuff all year long. So do we move back to a four man back line, um, which is an interesting thought, or do you drop, you know, Zach Caravo back into center back, which we've done a lot, which not the best solution, but it's a solution because we've been running this three slash five man back line, which are going against a team like Colorado Springs that has this forward power that they do, it feels like mm -hmm. you have to run the five-man back line. But where are you going to grab that extra center back from? Because one's suspended, mm -hmm. one's injured. It's like, do you grab from your midfield, which we have the ability to do, but it's not the best? Or do you simply put out your best 11? Uh, this is a weird balance. I mean, how would you mm -hmm. go about this if you're going against this, this crazy attack? I, I think you have to stick with your with what you know. Um, I don't I don't think changing the four man back and I, you know it's it's tricky because if you have four at the back, okay, I have two center backs and I have two two wingers that I can pull in and kind of play as as fullbacks. And that's that's great. And that in your head makes it easier. I think Kavita is a serviceable makeshift center back. Um, 
he kind of has to be if we're going to play three at the back. But I don't think going to a different system where there's more of a chance for guys to lose space and to not sort of be in step with each other, because that's that's really where the problems are going to be. I, I don't necessarily think that Colorado Springs are doing anything that people aren't aware of. It's just they can do it for longer than most teams is the problem, because they got a lot of either really well-conditioned or really young or kind of a combination of the two attacking pieces. And so they have Michi who can run for 70 and then Ben Mines who can run for 20. And and they have Haji Berry that can win pretty much any ball in the air. And then from there, okay, turn, and there's someone on an overlap. Um, And I, I think to combat that, you need to have a back line and you need to have a goalkeeper that just talk to each other for 90 minutes really um and that's gonna sound vaguely trivial but i I think that's what you have to do you just really have to be hyper aware of where guys are where they're coming from and where they're at um and to do that i don't think changing the formation helps with that tactic right um theoretically i guess if you can get away with the four at the back line and then just stick kavita right on top of barry but I don't know if that does you any good because then you still have to deal with guys making runs off of Barry and he's strong as an ox. So you can't really shove him off or anything. Um, yeah. So I, I, five at the back, I, I think is going to be the way to go. Um, and then you just got to keep it on the floor and be really tight. Cause I yeah. think so far teams have tried to play over the top of Colorado and that's just not, working and try because i don't watch as much of the union um as you do but the few matches that i've seen in recent years it does feel like you know the high press but kind of low back line is kind of their thing it yeah i i mean they they press high they they don't really I guess they don't really go for as much of the offsides trap that, or they just have athletic mm-hmm. enough back line to catch up to the ball. But yep, like yep. you said, like they don't get caught out by the long ball. Is that a more or less because no. they don't play the offsides trap or is it just like, I, I think with, with Brendan, especially what I've noticed from the attacks that Colorado have started or, or the way they seem to kind of lure teams in, which is going to sound weird, is they really like it if the opposing team's forward is about 27 to 30 yards out and they have someone basically face them up. And from there, I guess they have confidence enough in Zandy or Lindley to go and win it. And then they sprint counters from there. Mm. Um, and the other option is uh, opposing teams like Monterey or Orange County will go for a long ball sort of in the air over the top. And they have enough confidence, which I would too, in Oxford and Erdman to head it down to on or about on Zach Zandy or Cam Lindley's feet or somewhere within five yards of them 
The one because to, to talk about the midfield, like Zandy and Lindley are just winning the that's you just go get the ball is yeah. their job. Yeah. I mean Lindley, even though he plays mostly as your center midfielder, he has the def- the defensive capability to be a really good, mm-hmm. you know, sub, you know, center defensive mid. And He's got six on that shirt for a reason, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Zandy, it's funny because I mean Zandy, who is the number eight, um, he has that attacking ability. You know, he is a cam, but just like Lindley, it seemed like he can he can also play one more role back, if that makes sense. Like they have that defensive capability where they can play as high or as low as a center back or or a midfielder pairing, center midfielder pairing as you're going to see. They can move to a defensive line. They can move to an, a pressing line, and they have that kind of flexibility. That's something really impressive that I've seen out of those two. The one thing that you're saying that gives me that bodes me a little bit of confidence is that Legion have never really been long ball FC. They've yes. they've always been the keep it on the ground, one touch, uh, one touch passes, quick, quick. I mean. Honestly, the most long balls or even just aerial balls that I've seen Legion play has been this year, and that's because Enzo Martinez can pass it anywhere you like. And that's mm-hmm. nothing against Bruno, who is also very, very clinical with his passing. But the difference between Bruno and Enzo is that Enzo can drop a ball on a platter in the air. Bruno can play the perfectly weighted ball on the ground. And it's kind of an interesting dynamic between those two. But, you know, Legion have always played it onto the ground, which can sometimes leave you a little bit caught out because if somebody jumps your line, it's an easy counterattack. Meanwhile, the long Mm -hmm. ball, they have to catch up to the ball, you know, or catch it, win it, and then go forward. But it also is in one of those situations that if you catch a team out, you know, especially on those quick passes, those quick buildups, you know, it's really interesting to see how those midfields will, will fight it out because I feel like, like most matches there, this game is going to be one in the midfield to me, whichever team mm-hmm. get a little bit more pressure on that defensive midfield. They seem like the team who's going to win this one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is definitely the best midfield that switchbacks have seen this year. I don't even think it's that close, uh, really. Um, you know, Anderson, is, as you do, was with Atlanta United, um, has been with Legion forever now. Yep. Uh, he's a great player. I would talk about Enzo Martinez. I don't have to. No. Um, I, I think everyone kind of gets that. And then, yeah, I, I don't necessarily know who slots in for for Haribo. Um but I mean that you have, aside you for Haribo I mean you have a Bruno Lapa I mean who he's likely yeah. going to start which he should be starting most matches anyway you mm-hmm. also sitting on the bench right now who people forget that he's not just a left back you have Ryan James sitting right there that mm-hmm. can fill out mm-hmm. that left midfield or even center midfield role. You know, Ryan James is no slouch of a player either. It, 
you know, who takes Hervo's spot? Maybe it is Ryan James mm-hmm. just comes right into that midfield area. Yeah. And then, I mean, Prosper Kasim or Kasim Prosper, however you want to write it, has really good pace and is a proven goal scorer. Yep. Um, and then I think even like, I don't know, he's sort of young, but he's had plenty of appearances and can score goals. Like Jonathan Dean is a pretty good wing back. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I, again, like not to just be like, this is the best team they've played, but it's, it's going to be the best team that they've faced. Um, does Alex picking up a second yellow red card, not help things? No, not at all. Cause I honestly think that that would have been, I mean, anytime he was one of your first center backs, obviously, but like, that's a perfect guy to just kind of, who's got the experience and who knows what he's doing. I mean, Vancouver Zeal being there really helps because Pittsburgh Riverhound. Yeah, that was a guy that's that's very familiar with the system. Sorry to keep making it a, a, <laughs> a Bethlehem Pittsburgh thing, but here it is. Mm. Like that guy knows what this is, and he's seen this before, and he's played against Michi before, so he already has. I mean, he and Seku did for sure with Monterey, but that didn't appear to help. But uh, you know, and Vanky Azil can move the ball too. Yeah. For for as good as he is, and for much as we love Footy for the culture, and as much as I adore Hugh Roberts as a person. He can't pass the ball like Vancouver Zeal can't. Sorry, sorry. So Birmingham has things that I think play well to beating this system that Colorado Springs has. I think what a lot of Legion fans might be a little bit confused by, and I've been trying to beat this drum, but it's kind of hard to explain. Vancouver Zeal, all USL center back. Uh, I don't think, I mean, especially when he was under Bob Lilly. I mean, granted, everybody's an all-USL center back under Bob Lilly. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, he transcended Bob Lilly a little bit where he was good mm-hmm. outside of him. But at Legion, he's been used as a holding midfielder. He's been mm-hmm. he's been a defensive, a defensive midfielder kind of pairing with Anderson Seydoux. Um, I think a lot of Legion fans are forgetting the fact, or maybe didn't even realize that Van Zeal is a center back by trade. The fact mm-hmm. that he's been able to play the midfield for us has just been a perk, like a cherry on top, mm-hmm. and just a little bit more versatility. The hey, I, I, this is something really small. If you want to look at this uh, Colorado Springs forward line, uh, check them check them out on uh, whether it's the USL website or on FOTMob. Something small, but I appreciate none of their forwards are American, but yeah. it just so happens to be, which neither are legions, but every single player on their team are from their Grenada, Guinea, Congo, and Ghana, which yep. if you want to look up those flags, every single one of them are red, yellow, and green and black. Every single one. There is not another color besides red, yellow, green, and black. In those yeah. in those four countries, Wait, is I, there? I I like to think that Brendan Burke did that on purpose. Totally, I told yeah. he he is all about uh, color coordination. Um, yeah, 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 that's what it was. Very um, very uh, small thing people don't know about Brendan Burke is that he loves just red, yellow, green, and black. But those are yeah those are his four if you asked him off the top just his four favorite colors he would say uh red yellow green black for sure so i mean 
I, they're not mine, but I appreciate it. Jamaica too, you know, back in the day with with Corey Burke and Emily Brown, and you know that there's Look. there's a lot of legs to this bit. Uh, frustratingly, actually, uh, <laughs> that's, that's upsetting for people. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's just wild to me that the offensive tactic for Colorado Springs this year seems to be let's win the ball in the midfield and then immediately look up and just see where Michi is and try to hit a ball over the top to him because he'll just beat whoever his man is and get there. And like it works maybe too well. And honestly, it's not just him. It's like any number of guys, even there was a, there was a chance against orange County where Zach Zandy, I think found himself way too open and should have finished and, and didn't cause he panicked yeah. cause he, he didn't pick a corner. Um, the, the two reasons that I don't necessarily think this is the way we're going to see them bang in all their goals this year, even though I could be wrong, who knows one um, that's really dependent on your wingers just burning everybody all the time forever for pace and either through putting a body in front of your guys or just, you know, like teams will get tighter as far as we're able to hit, you know, center mid to center mid or, or, or center back to center mid or, or center back to left wing, whatever. They're going to hit those passes more consistently because these first two games, both teams in, in, in both the Colorado Springs games have been, just messy it is traditional beautiful opening month usl championship at its finest where you're like oh yep Mm, saw that in my in my my beer league on sunday Um, (laughs) the other reason i don't think it's attainable because when colorado springs get into channels the channels they get into are really weird tight angles and in michi hit one against orange county it was like weird, like outside of the six off to the left and just kind of snuck it. And um, like, you know, Barry can hit any goalie once. We've seen that yeah. last year. Um, but I'm just not sure how feasible it is to get a lot of your looks from like weird kind of just outside the six, but like on the side of it sort of angles. I will um, say... Um, yeah. traditionally speaking through what I am, I mean, not original, but like Tommy ball, uh, Tommy stone, what I've seen is that we don't give up those goals. Every, right. almost yeah. every single goal that we give up is straight off straight in front of the keeper, basically. And I get that. That's how most teams work. I completely understand that it is easier to get scored on when the, t- when the player has more goal to shoot at. That makes sense to me, but there are just sometimes you see teams who they, you know, they give up one of those, you know, an extra goal from a corner or from basically no angle. They always seem to give in one. Legion don't seem to do that. One thing that I will give lots of props to this Legion team for is that if you end up going, trying to take on a shot, around like 30 degrees to the goal, if that makes sense, basically on those little flanks. Mm -hmm. Legion have a really good way of forcing you to pass it up to the front of the box or laying it off to a running winger on the outside. They force you Mm -hmm. to make one extra pass. And this year, unless I've missed it, they haven't had to do that yet. Colorado Springs hasn't had to make that one extra pass 
And I don't know if that has something to do with style. I don't know if that has something to do with players. I don't know if it's just because Colorado um, Springs is just better. But they just haven't had to do that yet, and I feel they, like they will have to. They haven't been forced to do it yet to the to the level that that would imply that they're going to have to. They haven't been forced to do that yet. At, at that point, what you're doing is you're basically saying, okay, you guys can get, get to where you want to be wide, but you got to hit your goal from 18, 20 yards at the top of the box. Now, in the system at least as it has played out so far this year. When you get the ball to where you want to get it to with Nietzsche or Johnson on either side or whoever else is going to be up there, you're basically at a four person front line. Yep. Cause you're looking to beat them for pace and then you're looking to cut it back very um, Guardiola in kind of modern football, pass it into the net sort of, nonsense it works because of course it does because we've seen it work at any top flight league in in the the world over in the universe probably what we haven't seen is zach zandy cam lindley late run have to hit it first or second touch and we really haven't seen zach zandy cam lindley have to sort of um for lack of a better phrase uh ice hockey kind of cycle it around the offensive zone to get space open can those guys do those things? They sure can. Um, Cam Lindley is the set piece guy, and he's put in a lot of really good balls um, to, to no effect yet, but he's hit them. And then Zach Zandi, I have never had a whole lot of, sorry, confidence in him as a finisher, which I think is part of why this works for him, because he doesn't have any of the pressure to be one. Right. Because you have a guy that can score 30 goals, it will when he wants to in, in the Haji Berry. Um, but yeah, I, I think going forward, that's what teams are going to look for is, all right, cool. So once they get to, you know, 18 yards way off to our right, basically it's a corner drill. Yep. Or thereabout. So on set pieces, do Colorado Springs have a, a, a fair bit of time where the ball kind of finds its way to the top of the box? Yeah. Have they scored a goal like that yet? Nope. So <laughs> you're taking a risk. You're sort of assuming that they're not going to do that against you come Saturday, but it's probably a decent bet. Because yeah, I think I mean, it's going to come from Lindley more than Zandy. Yeah. I mean, to me, this feels like it's with the team. I know eventually Colorado Springs is going to get shut out somewhere and everybody's mm-hmm. going to freak out saying, Oh God, what happens to the offense? Did blank Guys figure it out? Because mm-hmm. it's going to be RGV. Let's just be honest. It's going to be Rio Grande because of course they will. Um, but I, this doesn't feel like the match where they don't score their goal. They, this feels like a match where they are going to score and the question is, is will Legion be able to score themselves? Um, the, the answer is, as much as I want to bang the drum and say, look at our offense, look at, look at all the pieces we have, because everybody, wow, this is such a, uh, this is one of those statements that gets everybody going. Everybody on this offensive 
front for Legion can score. I mean, we've seen every single one of these players score, not Eddie Horvat yet, but that's because he hasn't been in the 18 yet for the Legion outside of Atlanta United. But we've seen these guys put balls into the net. The question is, is will they? It always seems like finishing has been an issue under, you know, Coach Sohn. We've had we've had strikers, we've had wonderful forwards, and through death by a thousand paper cuts, it seems like we finally get our goal. But is that going to happen this time? I don't know. And mm-hmm. the question is, is or the guess the thing is, is that Colorado is going to score. I believe in our back line, but this is this offense is a little bit different. The question is, is can our offense give one or two back? And when you're basically walking into the match down a goal already, mm. it's hard to come away with the result. I, yeah. I don't know. It, this is a this is a weird one because do I think that Legion could go toe to toe with Colorado Springs? Absolutely. Do I think Legion could score three goals on their day? Absolutely. The issue is so can Colorado. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's definitely a weird conversation. And we're going to be seeing some something really interesting, I think, out of Legion this weekend. Because if you look at our midfield depth, um, Marcus Ugarte, um, he's on the roster technically. We re-signed him. But last I heard, he is currently in Michigan coaching, um, no longer with the team. And Eli Cronali just retired yesterday at the time of recording this. Did he? Jesus. Yeah. So, meaning (laughs) the only true true midfield depth we have right now is – Ryan James, who yeah. kind of a left back, kind of an attacking midfielder because, mm-hmm. of course, he is. He's one of those weird guys you find on football manager that you're like, well, this doesn't make sense, but it's cool. And Matthew Corcoran, who was injured last week, and he's our new, I guess, wonder kid, 16-year-old that we signed from FC Dallas. I – this is a weird one. I do you maybe start Eddie Horvat and drop Marlon Santos into the midfield? He can absolutely do it. He's a brilliant winger, but this is a guy who hasn't got a single minute in the USL yet. And are you going to start him? I mean, this feels like the right time to do it, but with with Freddie Kleeman possibly being out, with Alex Cronali definitely out, which fun fact from the Football Forge, this is the first time since the end of 2019, I think uh, October of 2019, that the Legion have not featured a singular Cronali in the in the 18 since, uh, yeah, uh, 2019, with uh, mm-hmm. Eli retiring and Alex uh, out for suspension. I, I don't know what we're going to put out there. I, I mm. think I know who's going to start, but then the question is, is who else plays? This is a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> and it's it's never true. Like, I mean, if that's any team having those problems where it's like, oh, one of our guys is probably coaching at Michigan and like one of our guys is just retired. Um, <laughs> which I have questions about someone that retires a month into the season for just a litany of reasons. But um, yeah, I, that's not a great problem to have. And it's especially not a great problem to have against the team that is in form when you already have a guy on red card suspension and when you have um, <laughs> a system that you like to play that you're already kind of hamstrung in trying to play because you're going to move somebody somewhere to play it. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's unenviable for sure. Um, I have no idea. It'll be really interesting to see what, what Birmingham come up with and how they look. Uh, if I was a betting man, um, sure. man, this would be a great time for suddenly gambling to be legal and I can just drop in like a DraftKings ad. Like that would have been pretty hey, clutch. brother, uh, you know, um, if you need to kick a fiver to your friend in Philadelphia here. Yeah. Um, if I was a betting man, I would go, I would say that Coach Stone is going to go to his beloved uh, 4 2 3 1, just mm. and then go from there. I, that's what I would, that's what I would think is going to happen. But uh, starting off with a five man back line, this feels like the wrong match to move away from it, even though our personnel says we have to. I don't envy Coach Stone and, um, and all the guys right now. I just don't. I would hate to be in their position, which is why I am sitting in my chair telling them what to do rather than having to make the decisions. And even I'm saying, dude, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know, man. I mean, I I don't know. Just just wondering, I mean, what would you think if you were to go onto the old sports book? What would you put the the scoreline as what would you say it's going to be? Am I giving it just a straight line or is this like an over under kind of thing? Straight line. I hate you. Um, <laughs> Birmingham's midfield is too good to maybe not earn a goal or to deserve a goal. Um, against Colorado Springs. But with some of those selection choices and you, I mean, really just coming down to needing to communicate really well. I, I three, three, one again to Colorado. The worst. And you're saying that, and I completely agree. Mm. Um, this felt the more and more, that three to two i don't know the more and more i thought about it it just i mean i i picked it on the usl show last night hashtag ad Mm -hmm. um i said that colorado was going to win this one while other people were picking draws and i was like there is so much roster mayhem happening the best possible thing could happen i think is that we decide to play the youth and that way Mm -hmm. we have a little bit more depth but god this is – and the worst part is, is that it's not even an injury crisis. Like, we're – every team is bound to get towards the middle of their season. 
this is just retirement and suspension and one injury. And suddenly it feels like we're almost down for the count for this match. But yeah, I, I agree. This feels like a three, one match to Colorado Springs again. Um, with all the stuff that's happening in Birmingham soccer sphere with the crap that's going on with the BJCC kicking fans out of the fans plaza, which is, picked up a lot more traction than I think the BJCC would have ever wanted Um, Mm. between fans already being upset about concession prices, about how empty the stadium feels, even though we had almost uh, 10,000 people through the gates, that was not tickets sold. That was almost 10,000 people through the gates. And people were like, it feels so empty in here. If, this has a smaller attendance, which it almost definitely will because it's not the season opener. That's just the truth. And we lose 3-1. I have a feeling that the Legion fandom, the active Legion fandom on Twitter is about to explode and not mm. in a good way. Um, so person listening to this, even though we are very far into the recording, I really appreciate you listening. Um, don't... I. Don't completely go irrational because Mm. while it's definitely upsetting and you have the right to voice your opinion and I definitely will be, I, I would say that it is, this is not the match to lose your mind over. There's so much working against us on the field and off the field that this is not the right, this is not the right time for you to completely blow a gasket wait till next week with loose city when we have our players back, then that's a real test to say, is this team good enough? Because loose city does look like they might be the best team in, in the USL. Yeah. So, well, I think we exhausted almost every single conversation about the switchbacks. I mean, I mean, uh, Union are top of the league in the in the MLS, so that's pretty nice. Not related, but very nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, uh, uh, still for my money, Brendan Burke, one of the best dress coaches in. Mm. Who would who would be up there with him? Um, who's uh? I mean that. For as has with as much money as he has and the notoriety he has, Landon Donovan might be the most disappointing coaches to see how he's mm, mm. see, but see, but we gotta think about there's two different types of coaches, right? Right. There's guys that came up in the tracksuit kind of era, and there's guys that came up in the in the suit or thereabout era. Um I I guess, but even Landon Donovan he does neither. And I think that's what bothers me. It's true. It's true. Um, unfortunately, Troy Lassane is now with the New York Ripples first team. So he is out of the running of best rest USL coaches, but mm. he was always a very well put together man. Um, and then I'm trying to think who else around the league. Uh, uh, Danny Cruz at Loose City is not bad. He yes. is. He, yes. he walks in. You're like, that's a dapper man. Like that's. Yes. He's not going to wow you. You're not going to see him. You're not going to see highlights of his outfit being posted, but you're never looking at him and saying, 
oh god danny baby what are you doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep i think um one gera is a is a very good looking man okay but i i but that's not a part of his that's not outfit. yeah that's not really his look that's just a general you know personal opinion thing um but yeah i i, I think i think i think brendan's you know i'd steal his wardrobe yeah uh, I've said that to him, in fact. So, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm going to screw it up. But um, FC Tulsa's coach, decently dressed, like mm. he has a he has a he has a good look going on. Lots of respect for that. Um, who's uh? I feel like San Antonio's coach dresses pretty well. Uh, Alan, you know actually, I figured it out. I figured yeah. it out. Okay. Um, and there goes the name. Rick Schantz has always looked very. Mm, that's a good shout. Well dressed. That's a good shout. Yeah. I, yeah. W- I will say, if Legion are going to do one thing in this match and win one thing, I do stand by that Legion might be the best dressed team coming into match day. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I'm into that. Like. Mikey Lopez might be one of the best dressed humans I've ever seen and not like walking in with a suit kind of way, but he is casually nice. Everything he wears is something you would just wear out to the town on a Saturday night. You're not trying to draw too much attention to yourself, but you want people to look twice. That's just kind of Mikey Lopez's style. And I feel like the entire team kind of does that where they're not like, oh God, why are they overdressed? But it's it's always like the wow, look at them. And that's kind of the vibe of the entire team. And I have a lot of respect for that. Right on. Well, look, man, it's always great to catch up with you. Um for you people for people who nice. Well, for people who didn't listen to mm-hmm. the old iteration of the USL show, they missed out. Jesus. But I do appreciate you taking the time on to talk about Bethlehem uh, West, uh, the switchbacks. Which, okay. Switchbacks. I had to ask, do you like the yeah. new branding or the old branding more? I, you act like I didn't, I, you act like I don't keep an, keep an ear out on you boys. So I did listen to the, the logo pod. Um, I, yeah, the new, the new like black and electric blue or or teal or whatever uh is is better than the uh, barbershop stripey kind of thing they had going on something that i want to like it but their use of Mm -hmm. gray like dark gray and black together there's Mm. something off-putting about it i i don't know it's it's like it's not quite as close as you know what i think you know what i think what? I feel like it feels like to you it's one of those adjust the gamma filter things yeah. in a video game and you're waiting for the second image to be barely visible. That's kind of what it feels like. I mean, yeah, until and, I look at it close. That's okay. I understand. It's not as bad as San Antonio blackout kits, but it's not far off. Mm. Granted, how in the world did the league allow San Antonio to do that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Just, I mean, respect. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I feel like if the league just forced them to wear white numbers and then sold the blackout numbers to fans only, that's the win. That's the win win. But but I guess not. Whatever. Well, anyway, thank you so much for hopping on, Evan. Um, if people want to follow your Philadelphia tweets and uh, follow along with just some general yeah. uh, soccer talk, speak Evan speak yeah. is yeah. the Twitter handle. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Thank you everybody for listening. And until next time, guys, keep hammering on.